No question about that. It's supported by you, our listeners, through patreon.com forward slash NQAT pod, where you can get access to our weekly ad-free bonus episode talking about football around the Premier League and Europe. Ricey Tom, how goes it? Yeah, really, really good, actually, after that. How about you? Yeah, feeling a lot better than I was after last time we spoke after the Newcastle game, which was dreadful. We didn't really talk about it, but after the Newcastle game, Rangnick came out and said, I didn't like it. I didn't like any of it. And I agreed with him. So, but this was, this, this was much, much better. Yeah, it was the perfect antidote, I think, to, to what went on earlier in the week. It was just nice to to kind of just enjoy the 90 minutes, really. Yeah. Because that's exactly what we didn't do the other day. It felt like 90 minutes of torture the other day, and that there was just 90 minutes of bliss. I, th- I felt like if they scored in the last kind of few minutes when they had a couple of quite good chances as well, it might have been a little bit nervy, and it would have been kind of typical United over the past few weeks. But it wasn't, and it was just, yeah, a nice, comfortable evening. It was lovely. Yeah, I, I quite enjoyed Scott McTominay stealing a goal off Ronaldo. Uh, his touch was a little heavy, Ronaldo's, and I'm sure he was trying to set himself up for a shot on the left foot, but Scott was having none of it and nipped into Ben one in the corner. Nice finish from him. And he had shoots, but shooting boots on tonight, didn't he, Scott? He was uh, really going for it, but I enjoyed that one. Yeah, I mean, he could have scored a hat-trick of them. Like, the, Hennessy made a great save onto the post. Obviously, Ronaldo tapped it in. And then he made another save after that, which he just tipped over the bar. And they're all exactly the same strike. Yeah. And I think I I love it how I was not slagging him off, but saying he was nowhere near as good as Declan Rice on Monday. And he needs to add this and this, this to his game. And then he kind of bossed that midfield. Like there was that minute and moment in the first half where two players just fell off him. Like he was Yaya Torre. And yeah, his shooting was incredible. Like, amazing. It's great. Yeah. I, I know, maybe I get a bit too carried away, but he was awesome tonight. Well, I, I think he's got that in him. Like, the worst part of his game is the progressive passing. And and that's what Rangnick will want from him. You could see, actually, Rangnick on the sidelines, like, um, frustrated when United weren't going forward. So it's forward, forward, forward all of the time. And, you know, against Newcastle, the 4 system just felt like it kind of constrained Rashford on the right and Bruno on the left different people in Sancho and, and Greenwood, it suits them better, I think. So especially Greenwood, he's comfortable on either foot and Sancho, one of his better games for United tonight, I thought he was pretty progressive. But yeah, um Rangnick on the sideline pushing them forward all of the time. I don't think we're gonna see sort of Van Hal esque side to side passing at any point in the next six months or so. Yeah. And and that's kind of what he's familiar with and what he's kind of known for is that progressive passing playing direct and quick which i mean if we're gonna talk about like united dna and stuff that is kind of what oh, united yeah. dna is like playing fast attacking football getting it wide early because that's what we did today we played a lot wider greenwood and sancho and and Shaw was excellent as well and what i guess you kind of intimated there as well with like greenwood being able to go on both feet and sancho as well 
I, I know most people say that oh Sancho played a lot on the right at Dortmund. He did play a lot on the left as well. Oh yeah. Um and and they were kind of interchanging at times and, and playing on different wings and that was perfect. They were so much better than than Rashford and and Bruno were there. I mean it's it's obvious to say, but it was yeah just night and day. And it, it, to be honest, the whole balance of the team looks really good. To be honest, I, know I think Burnley I do think he's all, got a, a challenge, right, Nick, in that. Bruno's been the most creative player for United for the last two years. And and his stats mm-hmm. are still good. He's still creating a lot of big chances. He's still creating chances. Might not be scoring quite as many, but his assists rate is good this season. So you've got to have him in the team. But in this 4-2-2-2 system, it doesn't really suit him. You know, he's playing number 10 out wide and and you're not going to get any width. Rashford could, could play off the left in this system because he's very direct. He can't play off the right. He just... He just can't. He's like half the player. So there, there's a question there. And I do wonder whether Rangnick might not do what he did against Newcastle and shift Bruno into a deeper number eight position, which he plays for Portugal. And there's a trade-off there, of course, the defensive side, which you mentioned on the last pod, but also the attacking side, you'll be a little further away from from the attackers. So it's going to be interesting to see how this works out, give, given that Sancho and Greenwood in this system just look more comfortable. Anyway, that was that was the whole game, I, I suppose. What, what was it? Scott McTominay scored the first goal, and then who got the second? That was the own goal. Sancho doing the thing he was bought for in many ways, which is kind of direct running. And he's a real goal threat coming from the left like that. I think if you look at his stats from Dortmund, he scores more and assists, left, assists less coming off the left and assists more and scores less coming off the right. He got the goal robbed off him because it had a tiny, tiny little deflection. But I, I just felt good for him, you know, it, boosting confidence. Yeah, and it, it looked amazing at first viewing. And then it was only when Ali McCoyst on the, on the Prime feed said, oh, I think that took a nick. I was like, did it? And then it did. So it didn't obviously look quite as good on, on the replay as, as, first, as we first thought. But yeah, I think it, it kind of just makes sense that that was the correlation at at Dortmund when you just look at him as a player because on the right he does play like a traditional winger and then obviously if you're going out to the byline and, and pulling balls back and and crossing with your right foot you're obviously going to be more of a resistor and then obviously when you when you're tucking in onto your right foot like exactly tonight then you are going to score more goals and yeah he he, he does look like he has more confidence and I think that's maybe something he's struggled with I think He's been a little bit like a lot of our players, second-guessing himself a little bit. And also, because he was based in a system, a very much a, a system-first philosophy at Dortmund, coming into a team like United, where it was all about individualism, it was always going to be a struggle for him. And today, he did look so much better. And, and he has done over the past few weeks, to be honest, just getting used to the players around him, because... He isn't someone who, who's going to beat five or six men and score every time. I don't know, like someone like a Jack Grealish who's a lot more individualistic. He's a player who needs to know the players around him because he's, yes. he's a lot smarter than, than Grealish. And, and he, he, he loves to interchange with people. And, and that's what we've been seeing a little bit more recently. And, and yeah, tonight, again, he was excellent, I thought. Yeah. A little, not, not unbelievable, not what we've seen him previously, but he's definitely getting better and and fitting into the more of this, the style. And like I said on the last pod, he, I think he's a very much a Ranić player and I think he should think hopefully so, yeah. go from strength to strength. Well, look, Dortmund under you know, the, the two managers that uh, 
that Sancho played under there played this sort of mid-block Gengen press and very German style anyway. I mean, you know, mm. they were kind of identical, to be honest. And you, you can certainly see Sancho fitting into Rangnick's style. He, he's not a player that beats six players with extreme pace. And I think a lot of people on, on Twitter and, you know, around the United community kind of pegged him wrong there, probably because they just haven't seen much of him. Yeah. He, he's a player who plays joiner dots football, neat one-twos, gets into the right kind of positions between the lines, um, is an excellent finisher, and is very smart. I mean, you can definitely play in that number 10 position as well if United play there, play with one. So, yeah, I'd like, please for him. I think there's a lot more to come. His, I mean, it depends which stats nerd you believe, but if you take his figures at being sort of um, high teens goals and assists every year and take off like 10 to 15 percent that's probably where you're going to get with Sancho now he's 21 he's going to improve so maybe he in a couple of years time replicates his numbers from Dortmund if he's scoring 15 and assisting 15 a year he's going to be a really excellent player for United mm-hmm. and that's what his history suggests so we'll see but I think uh, I think you'll fit in just fine it's nice to see Cavani as well. Helps with the movement, doesn't he? I think that helps players like Sancho and Greenwood with someone moving ahead of them too. And then Ronaldo, I thought he was kind of quiet. I looked at some of the stats apps and uh, he's got a high rating. I, mean, I think it's just for the assist, right? Where he miscontrolled it for manager's <laughs> player of the year, Scott McTominay, to blast one in. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was quite quiet as well. I, I, I kind of liked what I saw from him. and And he... Like, obviously, took his goal really well as well, like, so nonchalantly. And anyone yeah. else in the world probably would have taken a touch and then tapped it in. But he, he's Ronaldo. When I first saw that, I thought he was trying to control it, <laughs> miscontrol it. And then I, <laughs> I, did, I did him a disservice. I think it's very fair enough because he, he has been quite sloppy recently, especially with his, like, passing and his first touches and stuff. And obviously, he missed yeah. a really, really big chance right at the start of this game. And I was like, oh, it's not going to be one of them days, is it, where... Like Ali McCoy was even telling him on, on commentary that he should have smashed it rather than placed it. And I was thinking, mm, Ali, I don't know if you should be telling Ronaldo what to do here. But um... 800 goals suggests that he knows what he's doing when it comes to finishing. <laughs> I know. But yeah, that was a great ball from Shaw as well. And that that uh, moment, Shaw was, like I say, Shaw's class tonight. But yeah, I thought I thought he was a bit quiet. But I mean... If we're winning three one and he's scoring and he's a little bit quiet, it's not the end of the end of the world. And overall, and this, the system worked and the performance worked in that first half. Yeah. And hardly any mistakes from the the couple of like nervy moments from Maguire. Um, mm-hmm. I thought he still looks awkward. And then uh, that Baye... one way he let the ball bounce from the oh yeah the, the long kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that didn't that that wasn't a good look, was it? Uh, I mean, no. with the with the goal. Lennon's goal, it's obviously Bailly's mistake to start with. And then Maguire just backs off and backs off and backs mm. off. And I'm like wondering, what you know, in that situation, what's he trying to do? Because he's not showing the player on the outside. He's not trying to make a tackle. And he's just inviting the player to come and score, and which was not a piece of awesome defending, I've got to say. You just wonder like how far he would have gone back. Like if Aaron Lennon had kept running, would, right would Harry Maguire have just gone off the pitch? Yeah. Like how far was he going to go? And I love how the only bit of kind of goal that he left was the only bit of the goal that De Gea wouldn't have got to. Like, that, like, like Maguire basically stood in front of De Gea and basically left, let kind of Aaron Lennon shoot into that position. 
I mean, it wasn't the worst bit of defending in that move. Obviously, like you say, Bay was the was the orchestrator in chief, but it still wasn't a good look for Maguire. And hopefully, he has a few. I don't know, a few better days to come, but it's been a terrible season so far from him. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I mean, I, again, I think Ragnick will pick him over other choices first and foremost. I mean, because he's, for all his mistakes, he's still more consistent than, than Bayer and Lindelof. But if Rankin stay fit, I think we'll see the difference between a, a really top class defender and, and Maguire. And and look, if if he'd come for half the price, then I think we'd have a very different conversation about him, for sure. And you know, that's that's about where he is. Anyway, that's Maguire. Uh, I feel like uh, I've I've spent plenty of time on this pod slating him off because he just deeply frustrates me, and he's just he's just deeply average, isn't he? Aggressively average. Aggressively average, yeah. Anyway, what what else to say about this game? I mean, uh, it dropped off after the second half. The intensity dropped off, didn't it? After half time. And I, I was looking at Ragnick, and he wasn't happy about that as well. He really wanted United to push on, but the passing got sloppy, not quite as bad as against Newcastle. They just weren't knitting those moves together in the same way. What he didn't get was defensively insecure, thankfully. I, there were no, I, I don't know about you, but I didn't feel at any moment during that second half that I was you know, too worried I mean, the late header, I think, from a corner that just went wide. If that had gone in with five minutes to go, maybe it'd have been a bit nervous. You can imagine Old Trafford does get jittery. So, but but for the most part, comfortable. Yeah, it was only long balls, really, that we struggled with like, towards the end. And I guess they're going to kind of just resort to that if if they're 3-1 down and that nothing was really working for them, I thought. I think it's probably important to point out that Burnley were not very good here. Like they lacked intensity that you would have expected from a, a Sean Dyche team maybe three or four years ago, maybe even last season or the year season before. I thought they were I thought they were really poor. In comparison to how Newcastle pressed us and closed us down in pretty much every part of the pitch, today it just felt very comfortable from the start and, and I think the second goal from from their point of view is symptomatic of that. Like Dwight McNeil just completely stopped and let, I think it was, yeah, it was Sancho just run completely after after two of their players just bounce into each other. And I think it shows how bad they are, just that performance. And But but despite that, yeah, it, it was good from us. And the intensity point, point, uh, point of view, like, it, it's again just typical Man United, really. When was the last time we played well for 90 minutes? I mean, when was the, when was the last time United played well before this? Yeah, no, exactly. And it, I mean, even under Ali, when we played really well, like we only probably played well for 45 minutes or we played that well for an hour. And it was very similar today. I think the pro- the players just clearly just struggled to kind of keep that intensity for a 90 minutes. And hopefully something, again, that Ranjit can change. When we talked on Monday, like how much needs to be changed, this kind of, we can think of so many things even like after we've brought up so many things on Monday or, or whenever mm. it was, there's something like that. There's the intensity that even when we play well, we can't play well for a 90 minutes. And that's something that if we want to be beating good teams and if we if we want to beat Atletico Madrid, for example, in, in the right. Champions League, despite how weak they are at the moment, they're going to be intense for probably for 180 sure. minutes. And, we, and we, we need to match up to that because that's probably the only competition we've got left as well. Well, that's true. I mean, it's fourth place trophy, isn't there? Uh, and <laughs> or the FA Cup, the FA Cup coming up. FA Cup, uh, yeah. yeah. Villa in a couple of weeks' time, isn't it? 
The, the interesting thing I thought this week was that a couple of stories came out about um, Ragnik's training and players being happy with it or otherwise. So mm-hmm. I think one was some players aren't very happy with it. And I, I do wonder who exactly is leaking that. I, I always look at, hmm, who exactly might be unhappy around the dressing room <laughs> and whose agent is chatting? And the yeah. other one was much more specific. It was players are not happy with late training sessions and leaving Carrington at five o'clock because it's dark. Oh, <laughs> the <dumbs. laughs> Little players. I mean, maybe we can give them a bonus for working after 5 p.m. I hope they're, yeah, I hope they've got overtime written into their contracts. That's it. Time and a half if it goes after 5 p.m. Well, I think, again, that shows like how I bet some people loved coasting under Ollie. And yeah. They loved the, like, the easiness and the lovely dressing room and... Um, I'm not saying that Ollie ran the place like a kindergarten, but compared to, to imagine how Ranyuk wants to run it, it probably was very similar to that. Whereas some players are probably looking for a lot more intensity from training, a lot more seriousness. Whereas some players are probably just enjoying the nice little easy ride. Yeah. Fat contract, easy ride, mm. seemingly lack of pressure to actually go and win stuff. So yeah, uh, I look, if it pisses a few players off that training is intense and maybe they're doing double sessions uh, and that Ragnick has certain demands, then great, great. You know, Vibes FC was good for a turnaround, but um, not good for winning stuff, you know. Look, there's two parts to that, of course. The the club has to be serious about winning stuff and that is having the right kind of structure and buying the right kind of players as well. So we'll see Mm -hmm. whether that comes or not, but... But just on the coaching part, yeah, sure. I, I was delighted when he came out, out after Newcastle and said I didn't like it. Because yeah. Ollie would never have said that. Never, never. He would have made excuses to the point where he just sound, you know, it sounded like a Monty Python sketch. It was so ridiculous, you know. <laughs> Love him. But, uh, you know, United just lost 5-0. And he'd be like, yeah, well, you know, everyone gave their, gave their all. Yeah, 100%. The lads are really trying hard. We're going to go again or something. I'm making, I'm being extreme, but it's, uh, it's just, yeah. It, like we could all see it with our eyes that it was shit. And he'd come out and say it was good, basically. And and I don't think we're going to get that from Rangnick. Um, he does seem like a serious man, even if, you know, he likes a bit of a dry joke. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that's not the case around Carrington. I think it also shows the self-assuredness of Ranyak as well. Whereas yeah. I think with Oli and and you see it from a lot of like former pros who become managers, Lampard being a, a good example, I think that they're sometimes just a bit thin-skinned or a little bit insecure, I guess. And they right. don't want to come out and criticise the players in front of or just say it's not good enough like, like Ranyak did the other day. Because, it, yeah, like I say, it just kind of shows a self-assuredness and a confidence in his own ability that... I can come out and say this, this wasn't good enough and players will still be behind me, I guess. Like, cause I think that's what was always on the mind of Ollie. And I, I know this is obviously only three games in, so it's a very different situation at the moment. But I think Ollie always wanted to be a people pleaser, didn't he? I think it's quite obvious. Um, and he just, I think he just was a little bit scared. And, and that's, I guess, why in the end, the kind of players is trampled upon him in the end. I think you've got that spot on. I don't know how thin-skinned he was, but he definitely wanted to please everyone and he wanted mm, people to yeah. like him. And that seemed to come before making the kind of decisions he had to. That said, got to be fair, he did get rid of some players he just didn't fancy. Yeah. Uh, and he was clear about that. 
Um, but yeah, Radnik's got freedom because it's a six six month contract. So um, in a sense, he can he can do what he likes. We'll see if he's really angling for the job afterwards. I mean, I think he was had his tongue in firmly in his cheek when he was asked that question and gave an answer a couple of weeks ago. So he can drop the bomb in a in, in a sense. And and look, if the players ease off and he's going into this consultancy position afterwards, he's going to know exactly who eased off. So yeah. they should think about that too, because I think there'd be a temptation just with a six month contract for some of them to go. Well, it doesn't matter because a new guy's coming in in June. And um, and we you know we're just going to ride out this season. I've got three years left on my two hundred grand a year contract or whatever it is. Mm. Uh, Phil Jones, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he only owns one hundred and fifty uh, anyway. <laughs> but he he will be able to either say to Murta or the new manager, right? Here are the players who underperformed and who aren't cunning it in training, and maybe and maybe United need to get rid of so. Yeah, I do hope that there's you know something at the back of some of the players' minds who are tempted to to ease off that they can't really do that. We'll see with this group though, because hmm, um, they haven't exactly always been professional. Yeah, you would hope so, but I think now they're probably getting to the point where where do I go from here? Like you see, like someone like Antonio Arcial is just stuck in limbo at the moment, and. And there's probably similar players, well, similar level of players that are going to be stuck in a similar sort of situation. You think, I know Rashford's a mile off becoming that type of player that Martial is at the moment. But say if that happened for Martial, uh, Rashford, where he kind of keeps this level for another two years, he's going to be in a bit of a pickle if he wants to leave. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that'll happen with Rashford. I think no, it's a confidence no. and a fitness thing. And Martial, yeah, I mean, we talked about him a bit last week didn't we um since then i think it has come out that Sevilla did make an offer but it was only sort of half his wages and no loan fee and united looking for a better deal maybe they'll keep him if they don't get it and we've seen that movie before with united holding on to players it happened with romeo and damian slightly different in that they were both out of contract but a year later and so they paid wages didn't take a fee it was all really bizarre same with Lingard, who's not getting a sniff at the moment. Mm. So we'll see if, if if they can find a buyer or a loan and he's not going to figure under Rangnick, might as well get him out. For, much for the players' sake as anything else. I mean, he's got any hope of making the France squad. He needs to be playing now because next season there are hardly any games before the tournament, the World Cup, basically. A couple of months and... I think very like almost no internationals. There might be one international break, uh, and so if, for him and others who've got designs on going to the World Cup, need to be playing now. Yeah, that is definitely a good point. And France have got so many riches in that that forward position, and he missed out on he missed out on the World Cup win as well, didn't he? So, yeah, you would think he he must be desperate. And I I don't really unless the offer was really bad. I, I don't know why they would have turned that severe offer down because it. Even if it's a loan, it makes sense. But then probably they're offering probably about 25% of his wages or something. Something like that. Well, um, that was Burnley and uh, it's Wolves on Monday night. They come thick and fast, don't they? I mean, uh, I guess that's why uh, Rangnick made six changes this time out. I guess we'll see a, a few more changes again. Wolves, in funny side Wolves. I don't know whether you've seen them much post-Nuno, but they're, they're definitely more expressive under Large. I, I think they're more open. 
but defensively still pretty sound, still ha- happy to sit in the low blocks. What do you make of them? Yeah, I thought, I think it's quite interesting what happened to Wolves because I expected them to be really struggling this season. And, and I don't think Nuno was an incredible manager. I think he, he did a pretty good job. He obviously got them up and, and kept them just outside the top seven for a while as well. And and I guess maybe they just had stagnated a little bit on him and, and to, to have a bit of a refresher was probably good for that squad. But they have got a load of talented players. They obviously had Raul Jimenez come back this season and I don't think he's really hit the ground running. Obviously got that stupid sending off against Man City as well. But they have got some talented players. Obviously their two centre midfielders are awesome. Loads of experience there as well. Adama Traor is always a threat despite his inability to do anything when he gets into the final third maybe once every 10 or 15 games or something i must confess i haven't seen that much of them it's kind of been mostly a surprise from afar really haven't really seen what changes bruno luggers made and i guess when you see nuno go to tottenham and, and fail as quickly and miserably as he did then maybe that is a sign that yeah, maybe he wasn't the best manager for Wolves. Looking at their numbers this season, 13 goals scored, which is uh, pretty poor in 18 games, but only 14 conceded, which is better than anybody, basically, except for City and Chelsea. So, yeah, they can still defend, mm-hmm. I think, which is uh, kind of interesting. One, I'm just looking at their injuries because they did think they had quite a few players out. They're going to be without Silva, who can't score anyway, you know, £40 million mm-hmm. non-scoring striker. And Johnny and Neto. So, yeah, a few a few key players out for them. We'll see what changes Ragnit makes. I, I imagine he'll shift it around again with basically, what, a 72 hours turnaround, not much training time. So we might see a, a few refreshers. It, it doesn't seem to matter how many games United play. Ronaldo is always in the starting lineup. You kind of think at some point that he's going to pay a price for this. Yeah. Fitness-wise. It's so weird, isn't it? Just... And I don't think he even was happy. He didn't look happy about coming off today with one minute left of added time. I think maybe a good position for for Bruno could be in that top two. I think I briefly mentioned that on Monday. Yeah, and it maybe is a thing that he could come in for Ronaldo and play in there. He's got a lot of license to kind of do what he wants. I know it would be nice for him to stay high, and it's good for the the team shape if he does stay high in that in that too but to drop into those little pockets and and yeah it gives him a lot of freedom and I guess maybe he might be a bit too much back to goal in that kind of area which is obviously where you want Bruno obviously he's amazing at playing the the, the passes in behind and the creativity when facing goal but I'd be interested to see it just just as an experiment really because if it is going to persist with this 4-2-2-2-2 however many twos you want to add like it is going to be difficult to fit Bruno in that team and if it if he does work out well there like he's a great partner for Ronaldo or for Cavani if, yeah, yeah if he can if he can be effective in there I'm not quite sure like in theory but in practice hopefully it might work out a little bit better yeah and look I think he would naturally drop a bit deeper so I, I mean I do like the fact that Bruno is super flexible uh, obviously playing as that 10 with the license to play anywhere in the high parts of the pitch Naturally finding spaces is where he creates tons and tons and tons of chances. But if the system is going to come first under Rangnick, and so far it looks like that's the case, then his roles are either in one of the wide tens, which I'm not sure suits him because he's only got one part of the pitch to hit, or deeper as a sort of eight, 
which, you know, there's a defensive trade-off there for sure. Mm-hmm. Or as a shadow striker or, a, you know, he, he, I think we've said once or twice seen him as a false nine, you know, maybe mm-hmm. once. But so, yeah, options. Anyway, Wolves. Wolves drew with Chelsea last time out. They had their two games against Arsenal and Watford cancelled. COVID. They beat Brighton. They lost this narrowly to City and Liverpool. They haven't conceded more than one goal since Palace on November the 6th. And that might have been it. Oh, they conceded two against Villa. They were very good that day, actually, in October. I remember that one. So, you know, what, whatever you say about them, this is, yeah, you'd, it would be a surprise if United pummeled them and had an easy victory. It's going to be tight, isn't it? And this is at Old Trafford. So, yeah, the incentive will be on United to do the attacking. And hopefully we see that kind of intensity we saw for 45 minutes today. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how we are against the low block, which you imagine it'll be pretty low. And and with their defensive qualities that they have, and I guess with Adama on, on the break, he could always cause us problems. It might, I mean, just thinking about it now, it doesn't seem like the nicest opposition to have at this stage of the season. But... There's not too much to be worried about, you'd hope, going the other way. It's just if we can break them down. And I feel like if we do have a lot of the ball, then we should find a way with our creativity. But we've said that before. They had one shot against Chelsea last time out, which was uh, Dendonka's uh, save shot. And then they had one, I'm just looking at, at the stats here, one from Daniel Podence on the halfway line, which I'm going to assume was a pass, <laughs> they're counting as a shot, because I don't remember it. But yes, yeah, so I don't expect much to come from, from Wolves, except for potentially Adama on the break, if he plays. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure about his fitness at the moment. So anyway, yeah, going to be a tight one. We'll talk about the FA Cup game after after the Wolves, because uh, it's filler on the 10th of January. The other thing to mention, I thought this week was uh, Alex Ferguson's birthday. So when this comes out, it's probably going to be New Year's Eve, and it'll be uh, Alex's 80th birthday I mean almost nothing to say about nothing new you can say about Sir Alex that hasn't been said I mean it's amazing he's made 80 for a start given that Mm. he had a stroke not that long ago but he's come back and I don't know whether you saw the documentary with him uh, Never Mm. Give In yeah which is excellent I mean he definitely Mm. felt old in that but there's still the spark there right yeah and I think I think he deserves more than just a one-off I think he deserves like a last dance Netflix-esque kind of thing where it's like eight, eight episodes because obviously it, it ended like prematurely I guess because it didn't yeah. kind of talk about so much of, of, of post-treble life um, and I think you could really do a, a proper dig into to everything about Sir Alex because I mean they did a really good job in an hour and a half or however long it was in in that documentary but He's so deserving of more than that. And and I think, I guess, like UK sport documentaries don't usually go as in-depth as, as you would get in America. Obviously, The Last Dance being one, but you think to kind of stuff of Ken Burns has done on, I think he did one on baseball. And, and there's other documentaries right. which, which go really, really in-depth. And I think, yeah, get, get a big like, Oscar director or American director to, to make a proper in-depth film about him because he is deserving of that and like nothing will ever come close to what he he achieved in football I don't think again and yeah I think that would be awesome to to really witness that 
and like you say to to come back from from where he is and to see him today tonight it looked like he was getting his camera out on the on the on the yep. coverage to take a photo of of his of the tifo that was um dedicated to him i thought that was a really really lovely thing that was awesome well. so close yeah. to his birthday his 80th birthday as well yeah, and it was, a, it was an awesome, awesome TV and a huge flag, as you mentioned, Stratford End mm-hmm. flags who've done that. They've, they've um, made a few mistakes over the years. The David Moyes one was dreadful, um, but <laughs> <laughs> just truly, truly oh, the man, chosen don't. one. Please cringe. But that Stratford End sized huge flag was, was great and a fitting tribute. I think it's great that he still comes to games and he's not in the way. He's, he's deliberately made the choice to not get in the way of any of the managers who have come after him. He does have an office at Carrington, but it's miles away from the current manager's office. He's very deliberately not done the Busby thing of just being there all the time. Of course, everyone's failed since him, but it's not just their fault. <laughs> but, and, and they can't all be Ferguson, can they? But yeah, no, I think it's nice he's at the games and he's a fan and he's alive and seemingly well. That's all awesome. So it's great that he'll be able to have a, a top 80th birthday. It was interesting in the, the past week. Uh, who was it? It was one of the trolls on TalkSport was having to go at the 99 team. Uh, Carlton Palmer, I think it was. So oh, I saw some great. commentary about that. And then look, the business model of TalkSport is to be like, like just say anything contrarian yeah. in, in order to, to drive clicks through social media and listeners and stuff. So, you know, there's that, of course. But the revisionism of what was achieved there, let's remember, no other English side has done the treble, mm-hmm. right? For all the billions poured into Chelsea and City since that, they've not managed it, mm-hmm. ever. Ferguson did. That team lost four games that season, three of them before the 19th of December, uh, before December, and didn't lose any league games after, like, about this time, like, so in the running at all, while also beating Juventus, Bayern, Inter Milan, drawing twice at Barcelona in the Champions League, uh, played all Premier League sides in the FA Cup, I think, that year. So, yeah. Hmm. Greatest achievement still stands, uh, Alex Ferguson. Um, awesome achievement and happy birthday. And so much of it done with academy players as well, just just to mention that as well. Like, look at City's team now. Like, what have they got in there? Foden? Phil Foden, yeah. And and I also see some revisionism about this. Like it positioned in a way that goes something like, Well, look at look how lucky he was to get all that group of players. No, no. There was that group of players coming through because Ferguson turned up at the club and said, No, no, we need to invest in youth and this is what we're gonna do about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that wasn't luck. That was design. Yes. Yeah. That's the whole thing. The whole point. Yeah. The whole exactly. point. The whole point. And another thing I'm kind of, when I kind of thought then about his illness, obviously it was a horrendous thing to, to go through, but in a way, I'm sure it's kind of nice for him because the amount of love letters and, and praise and adulation that he received during that time, it was, it's almost like having a funeral while alive because like, when else do you kind of get that moment in, in your life? Right. And, and so many people don't, I imagine like Brian Clough, for example, when he died, he would have never received that pure outpouring of, of love that, that, that Fergie got when he, when he became ill, like everyone from around the world of football, every corner of football was wishing him well. And it it must be amazing to just 
come back from that and and to to see like how how widely you are acknowledged for being the best to ever have done it really there's an episode of the recent curb your enthusiasm series on this exact yeah. thing holding a funeral before you're gone so i'm not going to mention paul on every episode uh, from now on in but he basically got that when he posted his uh, thing on instagram and media <laughs> through <laughs> i was like he's not dead <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, everyone rallied around Ferguson and in his time of need. And I think he's been very appreciative of that. He said it afterwards. He gave him a lot of strength and good for him. Happy birthday, Alex. I guess that's it for this week uh, or this midweek pod. Um, anything else to think about, Tom? No, it's all good for me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It was a good one this time. Positive because United played well for 45 minutes or so. And a good win. I don't know where we are in the table. Still probably sixth or seventh, something like that. But seven games, or is that eight, without defeat since Solskjaer left. That, even if there haven't been lots of performances of, of real merit, that's good. Anyway, on that note, bye now.